All right, good morning, everybody. Um, how are you? I, I would do the gag that I do on Sunday mornings where I, you know, say hi to everybody and like two people say hi, but I can't hear any of you. So, hi, everybody. Um, glad you could join us this morning uh, here on the uh, here on the live stream. And um, yeah, uh, this is so great. I think a, a few people have commented that uh, this does does our hearts good to see uh, to see everyone and see people who have uh, who have been away for a while and and who are joining us from uh, all parts of the country and maybe even the world. Anyway, uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're going to sing a song, and then uh, Norton's going to lead us uh, in a in a quick prayer, and we'll sing another song. I don't need to give you the whole service order, but for now, let's sing together. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy help and salvation. And all ye who hear, now to His temple draw me. Join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord who wore all things so wondrously reigning. Shelters thee under his wings, yes, so gently sustaining. Hast thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted in what he ordained? Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and and mercy here daily attend thee and ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he be friendly Praise the Lord Adore him. 
gladly for I we adore Him. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Can everybody hear me? Yeah, give me the thumbs up. Awesome. Very good. My name is Norton. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at New Denver. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, if you happen to be new to our community or maybe somebody gave you this link and said you should join us online, it's super simple this week. Um, we're glad you did. And our vision uh, is simple. It's there at the bottom of the screen. It's new lives, new Denver, and a new world. Um, and even in the midst of the craziness that is happening right now, the virus and all the challenges that all of us are going through, uh, we still believe that God is, is doing something and can do something new in our lives, in Denver, and in our whole world. So even when things are tough, we're holding on um, to that vision. So uh, it looks like everybody's joining us from their couches and all sorts of interesting places. I'm here in my office in the back of our house and uh, I've got a couple of tips I just want to give you real quickly this morning. I had some questions about this after last Sunday. Um, in case you missed it on the preview screen, if you're using a computer right now and the main thing you see on your screen is the New Denver logo with the aspen trees and all that, um, you can actually go to the top of the screen where it says view options and then you can click that and then go down and choose side-by-side -side mode. Um, and then you'll see on the right, whoever is speaking. And then on the left, you'll see the screen. And in between, there's a little divider. And you can actually slide that back and forth. And so um, you can make the screen where the lyrics and the verses and stuff like that are as big or as small as you want. So you can still see the person who's speaking um, a little bit easier on the right side. Um, one more tip. Once you've done that, um, at the top, you can still uh, select either gallery view where you can see all the people that are joining on um, in this service today. Um, and you can scroll through them and, and see who's part of what's happening. Um, or you can keep it on speaker view and that'll uh, make it so that you just see the main person um, who's speaking each time. Uh, if you're using a phone or tablet, there's other settings or, or there's ways to change your settings that are a little bit different. Um, but obviously that's a lot smaller. So if you can, I would encourage you to try to use a, a computer or a laptop just so you can see everything well. Um, I do want to say, I'm not sure if uh, the Geigers are joining us. I'm, I don't know if they're on the call uh, yet, but we do want to say um, we're so glad. Uh, we have an update. They actually made it back to Denver, uh, Colorado. We told you at the um, end of the service last week to pray for them. Um, they're in Uganda, and they were stuck there, and they were trying to get out because the Ugandan government um, shut the airports down, and they weren't going to be able to get back to the U.S., and then this week, things escalated and got chaotic there really quickly. And uh, even though the airport was shut down, the U.S. State Department provided a couple of planes to evacuate U.S. citizens. And Jesse and Rachel and baby Evelyn were able to get on one of those planes and they made it back to Denver um, late on Thursday night. And so we have been praying for them. And uh, once they get settled in, I know life has been chaotic. Once they get settled in, we'll have them share a little bit more here on a Sunday um, about everything that's happened and give us an update. We're just super thankful um, that they made it back uh, safely. So um, we're going to continue in worship now. And as I said uh, last week, um, it's a little strange to sing by yourself at home, right? 
um, or even to say a prayer out loud at home. Uh, but I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, you can sing as loud as you want and no one will criticize your singing, right? Only God can hear it. Um, but we want to encourage you to participate as much as you can. So I'm going to put a prayer on the screen right now. This is a good way to practice. It is the fifth Sunday of Lent. Um, that's today. And so this is a prayer for us um, to really put our hearts and our minds in the right place. So if you would join me in saying this prayer together now. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills of effect and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Never gonna let 
never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down no. trust your goodness. We trust that you are always with us and that you are uniting us and binding our hearts together, uh, even in this time when we are uh, separated. We just pray that as we, uh, as we learn together, as we spend this time in community, that you would uh, encourage our hearts, that you would um, give us peace, give us rest in this time. Um, I pray that this would be uh, a joyful moment for all of us um, as we learn together. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say in your name. Amen. Well, hey, everyone. Um, today is the uh, fifth um, Sunday in the season of Lent, uh, which means next week is Palm Sunday, uh, which is the beginning of Holy Week. It's when we Remember Jesus going to Jerusalem and eventually being crucified there. So um, next Sunday, we're going to tackle a really huge and important question together. And the question is simple. It's why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And it's a question we've all asked at some point, probably at many points in our journey of faith. And, and we all come from different places in our journey of faith. You might not even be a follower of Jesus, or you might be asking questions about what it means to believe in Jesus, trying to figure out what you believe. Um, and this is a tough question. Why did Jesus have to die? And there's some simple answers to this question. Uh, we'll call them Sunday school answers. And those are good and helpful at certain times of our lives. And I really mean that. They're, they're good and they're helpful answers. Uh, but there's other times we go through. Um, and there's other doubts that are raised. And those Sunday school answers don't seem as helpful anymore. And uh, I think it's important to say that and to acknowledge that and to talk about that together as a community of faith. And so that's what we'll do next week. We'll dive deep into that question. Why did Jesus actually have to die? Um, we're also going to take communion together uh, next week during our service. 
which is obviously a bit different when we're on Zoom. Um, so we'll be doing that at home individually, but I will lead us through that. So, um, and, and everyone's always invited to, to participate in communion, to affirm your faith in Jesus, your desire to follow him. Um, so one thing that you need to do before next Sunday is try to have some bread and some wine or juice available before our service. Um, if you forget, that's okay. We can still do it. I'll walk you through that. Um, but just have some bread. You probably already have bread, any kind of bread. It can be crackers or bread. It can be tortillas, whatever you want. Um, and then when you go to the store this week, you might uh, pick up a little bottle of juice or some wine and have that available um, for us to do that together uh, next Sunday. So that's uh, next week. Today, I want to begin um, by asking you a question. And here's the question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? So quick show of hands. Uh, and you got to do this. You got to participate here. Who's afraid of spiders and snakes? Anyone? All right. Awesome. Good honesty, everybody. Uh, here's a different one. Who's afraid of either confined spaces or heights? So that's claustrophobia or the other, I think it's called acrophobia. So confined spaces or heights. Okay, I see a lot of hands. Awesome. Um, I, oh, you can even like raise your hand through Zoom without actually raising your hand. That's cool. Uh, okay, one more question. And again, everybody's got to participate. Who's afraid of dangerous situations where you might actually die? Everyone should be raising their hands right now, right? So I was in one of those situations a number of years ago. I was leading a large group of people on a backpacking trip down into the Grand Canyon. And we started on the Grand View Trail. Now, I had never been down the Grand View Trail before. Um, and here's how the official brochure describes the Grand View Trail. It says, uh, large, large steps and extreme drop-offs intensify the steepness of the trail. And I love the picture over here, right? the drawing of the guy on the side of the trail throwing up, right? So that's great. So uh, that's, that's all I knew about this trail. I had never been down the trail. So I already knew this was going to be a tough trip. And most of the people I was leading on this trip had never been backpacking before. And uh, oh yeah, I should mention this was over spring break in March. And when we got there, it had been snowing nonstop for two days straight. So this is us walking on the road to the trailhead because that road was closed and there was not a single person. Imagine that at the Grand Canyon. There was not a single person anywhere in sight. So we start walking down the trail and the snow is getting harder and harder and deeper and deeper. You can see, we can't even see the trail. The snow is so deep and it's blizzard conditions. In fact, if you look at this picture on the right, um, you see this little, uh, this little dot there? That's a person, right? That's a person. And then that is about a thousand feet straight down, just a couple of feet off of the trail, right? Which you can't even see because there's so much snow on it. So we were all scared to death that day because things kept getting worse 
and worse. We didn't know how long this storm was going to last. We didn't know how much worse it was going to get. And of course, I'm scared because I'm in charge, right? I'm leading these people. I am responsible for their safety. I'm responsible for getting them to safety and getting them through this blizzard. Now, as I thought about that story, I think some of us are experiencing some similar fears right now, right? Because the conditions are, are like a storm. There's this virus that's happening and there's economic uncertainty and everything's closed and we're having to stay home and there's all sorts of fears and questions. How long is this going to last? And we keep reading the statistics and the number of cases is going up every single day and the the death rate is going up every single day and the hospitals are being swamped and and we keep reading it's not going to get any better anytime soon and it feels like we're in a blizzard It, it feels like you can't really see that far ahead you don't know what's going to happen and that's really scary now Maybe you're scared, not just because of the, this, this trial we're all going through together, but maybe you're also scared because you feel responsible for others. Maybe there's people you lead at work and you're responsible for them. People might have to get laid off. Maybe you're a teacher, you're responsible for your students. Maybe you're a parent, you're responsible for your kids. Or, or maybe you're responsible for your own parents and you're afraid for them. So it's not just about you, it's about the people that you're supposed to be taking care of, that that you feel responsible for. And we're all, I think, if we're honest, feeling a bit scared about everything that's happening right now. So there's a story uh, from Jesus's ministry, and I think it, it speaks to these fears that we're feeling in the midst of this storm or this blizzard. And Jesus asks a question in the middle of this story that I want to read today. And it's a question that is so powerful. And it's a question that I think every single one of us have to ask ourselves this morning. So the story is found in Mark chapter 4. And uh, Jesus has been teaching. He's near the Sea of Galilee. That's this lake, this big lake um, where Jesus grew up. It's where he began his ministry. And there's all these little fishing towns and villages around the lake. And you need to know, uh, the Sea of Galilee is, is really big, right? If you've been to Guatemala with us, it's bigger than Lake Atitlan. Um, if you've been to Cherry Creek Reservoir, it's 50 times bigger than Cherry Creek Reservoir. So this is not a small lake. And Jesus would often travel from town to town around the lake, sometimes by road, but more often than not, he would cross over the lake on a boat because many of the people following him were fishermen, and they had boats. And here's what happened on one occasion. Mark tells us that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. So Jesus had been teaching that day on the shore of the lake. And if you have time, you can go back and read the beginning of this chapter in Mark chapter four. Mark tells us that there were so many people gathered to listen to Jesus' teaching that, that it was hard to see him and hard to hear him. So to make it easier, Jesus got inside of a boat and he stood on the front of the boat and they pushed the boat out a little bit from shore and then everyone stood on shore and that way they could all listen to him and see him. And they listened to him teach from the shore of the lake all day long. 
And then it gets late in the day. It's beginning to get dark. And Jesus says to some of his friends and followers, let's head back over the other side. And so Mark says they took Jesus just as he was in the boat, meaning he didn't get out of the boat. He didn't go shake hands with people. He didn't go sign autographs before he took off, right? He didn't transfer to another boat. He just stayed in the very same boat that he had been teaching in, and they began to head to the other side. Now, archaeologists have, have found boats that are like this. In fact, not long ago, they found a fishing boat that was dated from this exact time buried in the Sea of Galilee. And we know that these boats would have looked something like this. Would have been big enough for about 8, 10, maybe 12 people at the most. It would have had one sail, maybe a few oars, maybe a small covering in the back of the boat that you can't see in this picture, but it wouldn't have been that big. And so Mark tells us um, at the end of what we just read, he says, uh, there were many boats there, or there were several boats that were going with him. And, and part of the reason is to let us know that there was more than just eight or 10 or 12 people following Jesus right now. There was probably 20 or 30 or maybe even 50 people. So there, there's several boats that head back across the lake. But I also think Mark tells us that because it's almost like he's saying, hey, I'm about to tell you something that happened. And if you don't believe me, you can ask other people because there were lots of people there that night when this happened. He continues, says, a furious squall came up. Some of you might remember this story. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So remember, it's night, right? It's dark. They're probably a few miles from shore. The lake is about eight miles wide at this point. And the lake, the Sea of Galilee, it's infamous for these storms or these squalls that come up really quickly. Even today, it's still notorious for that because the lake is surrounded by hills and mountains. And there's a couple of little valleys on the west. And so late in the afternoon, in the evening, westerly winds would come and they would hit the mountains on the other side. And so it creates its own little weather system. And at night, you can't really see a storm coming. If it's cloudy, uh, you can't see the stars, so you know it's cloudy, but you're not sure if it's just a cloudy night or there's something worse happening. And it's not like you can, you know, check your weather app or it's not like there's a local forecast or anything like that. You have no idea when these storms are going to come. So they're halfway across the lake and suddenly a terrible storm, a furious squall. In Greek, it literally says, Mark was writing in Greek, he says, a storm violent with wind comes up. Uh, if George Costanza was there, he would say, the sea was angry that day, my friends, right? If you don't get that, you can YouTube it um, after the service um, and see what I'm talking about. Uh, but they're halfway across the lake, and suddenly this, this terrible, angry, furious squall of a storm comes up, and it begins to rock the vote violent, violent uh, the boat violently, and waves are crashing over the sides, and, and the boat is starting to fill up with water, right? And so what do you do when it fills up with water? You start bailing out, and so the fishermen have these buckets, and they're trying to bail the boat out, and, and they're throwing water back over the side, but it's not helping. The water keeps crashing over the sides faster than they can bail the boat, and the, the storm is probably worse than anything they've ever experienced, and as all of this is happening, the rocking and the waves and the bailing and, and the raining and the thundering and the lightning, as all of this is happening, Mark says Jesus was in the stern, sleeping, 
on a cushion. What in the world, right? How is Jesus sleeping during the storm? He's in the stern, which is the back of the boat, the rear of the boat. As I said, there might have been a little shelter there. We don't know. Maybe he was covered up with a blanket, and so maybe he was protected from the rain. But still, how could it be thundering and lightning and the waves and the rocking and the crashing and probably the sailors screaming? How could Jesus be sleeping in the middle of that? And these terrified sailors who are doing everything they can to save themselves are probably thinking the same thing. But for them, it's less about how in the world is Jesus sleeping and more, why in the world is Jesus not helping us? Because the disciples, Mark tells us, woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I love the King James Version here. The King James Version says, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Right? Don't you care that we're drowning or that we're perishing? That's the literal word there, that we're dying? Does it not matter to you that we are dying? Our boat is going down inch by inch, bucket by bucket, wave by wave. We are going down. And this storm, it's not getting any better. In fact, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And we're doing our best, but it doesn't seem to be helping. The boat is filling more and more with water. Do you not care, Jesus? Does it not matter to you at all what's actually happening to us right now? We were going to read a different passage Today, I had a few different things planned for this um, Lent series this year, but with everything that's been happening over the last few weeks, we've made a few changes. And so as Brian and I were communicating earlier this week about what songs to to play and and all that, I told Brian this was the story we were going to read. I decided we would would do this. And he wrote back to me and he said, "Um, this is not the most comforting story to be reading right now. Uh, I don't think I like the idea that Jesus sleeps during our storms, right? And I said back to him, I know, I know. And I think a lot of us are probably feeling that right now. It feels like we're in a storm. It feels like we're in a blizzard and we can't even see how this is going to end. And we're doing everything we can to bail the boat out, but it doesn't feel like it's helping. I mean, it feels like this this virus and the situation and the closures and the restrictions and and the numbers and, and the cases, it feels like things are just getting worse and worse. And it feels like Jesus is asleep. And that's really frustrating. Because I want to say, and I don't know if you've thought this consciously, but I want to say, do you not see what we're going through right now, Jesus? Do you not care? And that's what the disciples say to him. They shake him and they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're dying out here? And look at what Jesus does. He got up. He rebuked the wind. Knock it off, wind. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And on one level, this is really cool, right? 
I mean, if this happened, this is pretty amazing. But it raises all kinds of questions for me because first I always ask, like, did this really happen? I mean, in my most skeptical moments, and I'm just as skeptical as some of you, right? I have doubts about these miraculous stories. So I ask, like, did this really happen? But, but then secondly, even if it did happen, there's all kinds of other questions I have. Like, why didn't Jesus stop the storm earlier before they were about to die? Why, why did Jesus let the storm come to begin with? Why does Jesus let any storms come into our lives? I mean, if Jesus can stop the storms sometimes, why doesn't he stop the storms all the time? I mean, does Jesus just take days off every now and then? Does he take naps, right? Is that when the storms come in our lives? When, when Jesus is napping, do we just have to make sure he never falls asleep? Are we, are we always just having to badger him to make sure he's always taking care of us? You see, the story for me, it raises all kinds of questions, but Mark isn't interested in answering my questions, and neither is Jesus. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Jesus actually has a couple of questions for us and for the disciples to answer. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? This is the question. This is the question that, that seems like a dumb question at first to the disciples, right? I mean, if I'm a disciple and Jesus says, why are you so afraid? I'm going to say, uh, did you not just see the massive storm that almost killed all of us? Oh, that's right. You didn't see it because you were asleep, right? Well, maybe you missed it, but we almost died right? One more wave and we would have gone under. And maybe that doesn't scare you, Jesus, because obviously you were asleep, but for us, we were scared to death. But I think when Jesus is asking this question, why are you so afraid? There's an implication behind it. And the implication is you didn't have to be afraid. Just because the storm is getting worse and worse doesn't mean you have to be afraid which is the opposite of how it usually works with us, right? Whenever we go through any kind of storm in life, right? It can be a bad relationship. It can be a job loss. It can be a family crisis. It can be a health scare. It can be a virus crisis, right? Whenever we go through a storm in our lives, the worse it gets, the more we tend to get afraid. And Jesus says, why is that? Why are you so afraid right now in the middle of the storm? That's the question that every single one of us has to ask today, if you're feeling any sort of worry or anxiety or fear right now, and we all are, right? We're all feeling some sort of fear right now. If you're feeling any sort of fear, the question to ask is, why? Why are we afraid? What is it that we're afraid of? I've been asking that personally this past week. And you know what the answer I think is for me? Maybe for some of you as well. I'm afraid of losing control. And if I'm not in control of the future, if I can't plan for the future, if I can't control the outcome, right? If I can't ensure that everything is going to be all right, 
well, then I'm not sure everything's going to be all right. And that scares me. I'm not sure I can handle what this storm keeps throwing at me. And that scares me. But Jesus's question implies I don't have to be afraid. Just because I'm not in control, just because I can't ensure those things, doesn't mean I have to be afraid. And then Jesus asks a second question of the disciples. He says, do you still have no faith? And the disciples have to be looking at each other at this point and thinking, well, I guess not, Jesus, right? I mean, I guess I don't have any faith because I was flat scared to death. I was squealing like a girl, right? And I just, I thought we were going to drown. I thought we were going to go down. I was scared to death. And so whatever it is you're teaching me this time, clearly I missed it. Clearly you can just give me another F on this one because I was scared and that must mean that I have no faith, right? And, And this seems harsh that Jesus would equate their, their fear with their lack of faith. I think it's partly why we don't like this story. But do you know why this was so important for the disciples and maybe for you and for me? Because this wasn't really about a squall on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't about this specific moment in their lives when they were in physical danger. I think this was about all the storms all the challenges, all the uncertain times that they would face in their lives. And and Jesus knew that if these disciples equated, I can't handle this with God can't handle this. If they equated, I'm not in control with God is not in control, then they would always be driven by fear, right? They would never be able to trust that their lives and the situations they were facing and the outcomes that might come about, they would never be able to trust God with those things. But if they could ever get to a place where they could say, just because life is spinning out of my control doesn't mean it's spinning out of God's control. Just because I can't handle this doesn't mean God can't handle this. Just because I can't see through the storm and the blizzard right now and the rain and everything that's coming down doesn't mean that God can't see through it. If we could ever get to that place, and that would change everything. That would mean we don't have to live in fear anymore. Because if if my faith is in my own ability to, to manage and control the situation, then yeah, there are some pretty good reasons to be afraid right now. Because I cannot manage it, and I'm not in control. But when I can shift my faith from my own ability to manage and control my life in this situation, to God's ability to manage and control my life in this situation, well, then I don't have to live in fear. In fact, then I can live in freedom from fear, a deep place of trust, and one who does control the situation. In fact, when when the disciples realize this, uh, look at how they respond. It says they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, now this is great because in Greek, as I said before, remember Mark is writing this in Greek. There's actually two different words to to communicate fear. The first word in Greek is, is like our word afraid or cowardly. And that's the word that Jesus uses first when he asked them, why are you so afraid? 
Why, why are you acting so cowardly right now? But the second word in Greek is the word phobos. And that's where we get our words for phobia, right? And phobos means a true and genuine fear. And that's the word Mark uses here. In fact, he actually uses it twice. He uses the verb form and the noun form together to describe the disciples in Jesus's presence now. They feared a great fear or they were terrified. In other words, the storm, the storm frightened us. (laughs) But the fact that we are in the presence of someone who can control the storm, that's a whole new level of fear and awe, right? We were scared before, but we are in trembling awe right now because now we see the storm and the situation that we're in in light of someone who actually controls the storm and the situation. The Apostle Paul, many years later, would say, Jesus is over all of creation and he holds all things in his hands. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of perspective in the midst of a storm? That kind of awe and fear that when life is spinning out of control and we're in a blizzard and we can't see forward to trust that Jesus is still in control and that the whole world, including our lives, are still in his hands. So let me come back to the question that we asked at the beginning. What are you afraid of? Right now, not snakes or heights or any of those things. Right now in this unique season that we've never been in before, what are you specifically afraid of? And then here's the question that Jesus asked. Why are you afraid? Why? It's probably because you don't feel like you're in control. And that scares you. It's like it scares me. But that means our trust is not in Jesus. It's in ourselves. And so what would it look like if today, if this week, we could actively say, I don't want to trust in myself to be able to manage and control this situation anymore. I want to trust in you. And I want to live in the freedom of knowing I don't have to be in control. And that doesn't mean, God, that you haven't given me responsibility. You've given me responsibility. We all have responsibility and things that we need to be doing. But you didn't give us control. And we want to trust you with that. What would that look like for you to trust Jesus in the midst of the storm right now? Let me pray for all of us to be able to do that. Lord, every single one of us are going through different kinds of storms in this larger storm right now. Um, I know some are struggling with job loss. I know some are struggling with just uncertainty of the future, with schooling, with kids, with family, with health scares. There's all sorts of things, God. And we can't control it. And that's what's so scary. And so would you help us today and this week to figure out how to surrender that 
to you. And I don't know what that looks like for each one of us specifically. So I just pray that your spirit would give us some clues and some hints, would speak to us, would give us some, some very practical ways that we might take some steps towards releasing that kind of control and the fear that goes with it and figure out how to trust in you. I pray all this in your name. Amen.
Thanks for joining us uh, today. Um, if you do feel like you're going through a storm right now and there's any way we can help, please let us know. Um, you can submit prayer requests on our website. Um, even just shoot one of us an email. Uh, we'd love to talk with you or, or help in any way we can. This is a time to really lean into other people, uh, even when we're apart in our own homes or apartments, um, to figure out how to do that together and be a community of faith. Um, hey, I want to do something now. Um, we want to take a few minutes to do something special uh, to close out our service today. Um, Dan Snyder has been on staff at New Denver Church for 10 years. 10 years. Oh, my gosh. And um, we couldn't be more sad to see him go. He's moving to San Antonio. Um, and today is his last day uh, worshiping with us as a pastor, at least. Um, and uh, if you didn't hear um, the details about him moving to San Antonio, um, there's a, he wrote a letter that's on our website. You can go read that. Um, Britt and her family uh, is from San Antonio, and um, Dan found a great opportunity down there, and they're going to move down there, and he'll be serving at a church uh, down there in San Antonio. And so um, today we want to just celebrate and thank Dan, and uh, I want to do that in a few different ways. Um, first, I figured... Um, we would just reflect on the many faces of Dan Snyder, right? Um, let's just let's just let's just take a look at all of these. Uh, and I should just say I was being extremely merciful because I had a lot of pictures I could have chosen from, and uh, some that are way worse than this. Um, but Dan has has not only given us a lot of different faces; um, he's given us a lot of different haircuts. Uh, he's given us a lot of different facial hairstyles. Um, he's given us a lot of different fashion statements. Um, but more than anything else, he's given all of us uh, countless hours and uh, countless lives in our community have been changed um, by all that Dan has done. So um, we want to take a few minutes and uh, I have a few people who want to share a little bit about what Dan has meant to them personally and to our community. So um, I think Katie, you were gonna kick us off. One of my favorite memories with Dan was the time we spent on an NDC partnership trip to Guatemala. On one long van ride, a young Marin was giving us all nonsensical nicknames and we were all pretty tired, but Rocky Stripe was a really great sport. And Dan, I appreciate the example that of servant leadership that you've shown to me and to the NDC community. Wish I could give you guys a big hug, but I'm sending you and Britt and Sutton and Sloan a big virtual hug. Um, Dan just 
there's lots of things I could say and lots of memories we could talk about. Um, but I think overall, we're just going to miss you as friends and as leaders at NDC. And um, I know in my time just here in Denver, um, I've learned a ton from you. And I feel like through it all, right, it's I've become a better father, better husband, um, better person and, and leader because of you. And so I wore this in tribute today and I almost went mustache as well, but was talked off the ledge by my wife. So, um, but I just want to say, man, we'll always love you and always miss you. Um, Dan, I just wanted to say that you were the first person that said hi to me um, on my first day at New Denver and you continued to be a friendly face ever since then. Um, I'm pretty sure you and Britt say hi to me every single Sunday and you guys just embody what New Denver is and you'll be truly missed. Dan, we've been friends since your days as an LDP. You and Matt Richters were so helpful when you came and moved furniture for us. And your presence with us when you came to visit our son, Phil, when he was in the hospital was most appreciated. You also came with Stephen two years ago when Bruce just had emergency surgery. Again, just last week with your prayer with me when I called to say my older brother was in the middle of an eight hour surgery was so thoughtful and caring. Your concern for your congregation is most evident. May your new friends feel the same depth of love that we know. Hey Dan, um, you have been incredibly uh, instrumental in, in my life over the last few years. Uh, I thought the best way I could express, uh, you know, how important you've been to me is by writing a poem. Uh, I've entitled it Purple Dinosaur. <laughs> We met at Mad Greens, you had holes in your jeans, and a beard which you then shaved. I hoped that meant that you had bathed. We talked about life, we talked about sports, we laughed, we cried, and I yelled a lot of Roll Tide. I met my wife and you married us for life. You are a friend and a friend you will always be, Purple Dinosaur. Dan, uh, you know, aside from, you know, the personal impact you've had on my life, you know, after thinking about it this week, I really believe that you uh, have helped to draw a lot of people closer to Christ. And that's both in your personal relationships and even from the pulpit. And I think that because of that, God must be pleased and I know that he's gonna really bless your family tremendously in this next uh, phase of your y'all's life so I really uh, pray for blessings for you guys in this next step. Hey Dan. I don't think mine's working. Okay. All over the world people are carrying on with regular life things, moving, having babies, getting married, and time marches on. Thank you for showing your courage by branching off and being willing to try, being willing to try new things, to stretch and grow into a new calling. Thank you for humbly sharing your gifts with us and for going first. 
Thank you for helping Zach and I navigate and plan for our next chapter. You asked great questions and pressed just enough. And most importantly, thank you for being an example of healthy recovery and for living out the 12th step in your daily actions. You Snyders will truly be missed. Hey, Dan. When I moved to Denver in 2013, uh, my friendship with Dan was what led me to New Denver. And at New Denver, I met Brad Mercer McLaughlin. And as a result, I met my wife. So thanks for that. Appreciate you. Uh, but I'll go back a little further than that. Dan and I had a conversation over a couple of Pepsis and Snickers bars. Do you remember this, Dan? And uh, changed my life. And it wasn't because Dan is uh, smarter than the next guy. We could make an argument for that. But it was because he was faithful. So Dan, keep being faithful. And Britt, thank you for all that you mean to our community and to Dan. Uh, we're sad to see you go, but we're so excited for your new community that's going to benefit from that same faithfulness and friendship. Thanks so much for all you've done for all of us. We love you guys. Thanks everybody for sharing. Um, I'll say a few things as well, but um, I'm not going to say much because I, you know, I was thinking and I have no idea how to put into words or even quantify what you've meant to our church, um, to our, um, to our staff over the years. Um, and to me personally, um, we all uh, know and recognize that you're a hard worker and that you probably have done more on our staff than everybody else combined. Um, and I mean that like uh, when we were trying to figure out how we're going to get everything done in your absence, I sent to the elders a list of all the administrative things you do in your job, just the administrative things that you do. And they literally all emailed back and said, how in the world does one person do all of those things? And I said, I have no idea. And that's just like half of what he does. He's also a pastor and he cares for so many people and loves so many people as so many have shared uh, today. So um, we're always going to remember that. And I think we're always going to be changed by um, your passion, your optimism, your heart for the brokenhearted, um, for those in recovery, as Brianne said, um, and maybe more than anything else, just your heart for people who are far away from Jesus, and really for all of us, that we would all give more and more of our lives to Jesus. Um, we feel that and have experienced that from you, and um, and I hope that none of that will change, and I pray um, that the people of San Antonio will experience all of those things in even greater measure, and God will do even greater things uh, through you in this next season. So um, we have a couple of gifts we want to give you virtually. Uh, and so I'll turn it over to Caitlin Blair um, and Stephen Redden. They'll share those. And then if you want, after that, um, you can say something. And, uh, and then after that, Emily um, we'll pray for you on behalf of our whole congregation. Yeah. I'll go first. Um, Dan, we are so sad that you're um, going to San Antonio. And Andy and I were talking about how much you've grown over the last, we've been at New Denver for eight years. We remember when you were still wearing Ugg boots and capris out in public. So thank you, Britt, for stopping that. Um, but we're just so proud of you. And we wanted, 
we, <laughs> I think we dropped off that gift at your door. I don't know if you have it next to you or not, but you can, op you can open it. As you go to the land of cowboy boots, we want you to be able to rep your Colorado roots. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> sorry, Britt. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he looks like Clint Black. <laughs> or George Strait. And Dan, we, uh, you know, we wanted to get you a gift from the, from the staff and the elders as well. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that we know is that uh, in leaving, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot you're moving towards, uh, but there's a lot that you're leaving behind and a lot that you love here. And uh, one thing is the Rockies. So we got you, uh, we know you're going to have an office um, in your uh, new job. So you got a picture. I think Norton's going to throw it up. So this uh, will be a daily reminder of what a horrible, horrible mistake you've made in leaving. You <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It will be a reminder, hopefully, that uh, though you're gone from us physically, uh, a little part of your heart will always be uh, right there uh, in Denver, um, and maybe a bigger part being, of course, field. So, and I just want to note that like the people giving you these gifts or presenting these these to you today are all Dodgers fans, and would like to note that if the season had started, the Rockies would be at least four or five games behind the Dodgers already. So, love you, man. We're gonna miss you. Yeah, well, um, thank you. Uh, and actually, the, the Rockies wouldn't be behind because it's still um, it's still April so, or March and April. So we'd be like 5-0 and at least right now. Um, but, yeah, hey, it, this has meant a whole lot, the, the um, kind of little speeches. Emily asked a while ago at our going away party if we could have an open mic, and I thought that was the worst idea in the world because who knows what would happen. But uh, this stuff was the, the things that you said brought tears to our eyes and um, will bless us. Uh, we're certainly a, a bit distracted being at home with kids running around crazy, and um, so it, we're not weeping, which is probably a good thing. We'll do that later, watching the YouTube video, um, which I'll hold on to forever. So, yeah, um, man, I, we will uh, – miss new Denver so much. Um, we'll miss Denver, um, our family here, but especially new Denver, um, having served alongside you guys for 10 years. It's like, uh, yeah. And I mean, 40 hours a week, maybe more sometimes, you know, and, um, waking up almost every day thinking about new Denver. Um, so in a lot of ways it's, it's more difficult than leaving the Rockies and <laughs> leaving, um, our beautiful city and state. So we'll miss you guys so much, but you know, um, new Denver's in good hands. It's in God's hands first and foremost. Um, but the, the leadership of new Denver is just as strong as it's always been and will continue to be. And I can't wait to come back and worship with you guys. Maybe, uh, I don't know when, but, uh, we'll be back. And, uh, well, I guess for now we could probably zoom in cause we'll be on different time zones. So that'll be awesome. Um, you'll see us next week. Um, wear my cowboy hat and uh Britt will wear I don't know maybe this hat um it's all sweaty and nasty but all right we love you guys and um yeah we'll, we'll miss you so much um, hey one of the things we want to do um 
is just pray for Dan right now. And so, um, and, and it's not just a token prayer. We really um, want to be a sending church. And we realize that um, we're a church where people come and go. And even someone like Dan, who has been a new Denver church fixture for so long, um, God is sending somewhere new. And so we truly will ask you to join us now in just praying for Dan and sending them well to this next place um, in their journey of faith. Um, Emily's going to lead us in praying. Yeah, so if, um, Dan, if you could remove that hat for prayer and maybe just don't put it back on, it's not a good look. Um, let's pray. God, I come to you as probably a lot of us come to you today, just full of gratitude on the one hand, but also with a heavy heart. Um, you brought Dan and Britt to New Denver, and we've been so, so blessed by that. And we thank them, but ultimately we thank you for orchestrating that. Um, and now they're moving on, and um, we know that you have so much more in store for them and more in store for us. Um, that sometimes it's hard to see exactly what that's going to look like. Um, so I pray that you continue to provide for New Denver, as you always have. Um, and I pray that you continue to provide for the Snyders. Um, I pray that as they move to San Antonio and put down roots there, that you provide community um, just from day one, people to support and encourage and love them um, just like we love them. I pray for, um, for this church that they're going to, that you do great things there. Um, I pray for Dan and his new role, that, um, that you help him to use gifts and muscles um, that maybe he hasn't gotten to use here, um, that you continue to stretch him and grow him um, and just pour your love through him and through Britt um, to all the people in that community. I pray for their family um, as it continues to grow. I just pray that um, that you strengthen them as a single unit together, that you constantly bless Dan and Britt in their marriage and in their parenting, um, give them everything that they need to thrive in San Antonio. Um, I thank you that they'll be by Britt's parents and I pray that they can be a good support for them, especially in this transition time um, and I just pray that you bless them, God, that you remind them every morning that you're with them and that you love them. And in the times that's hard where they miss being in Denver, I pray that you um, just remind them that, um, that you have so much good in store for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining our service today. Um, we'll stay on for a little while and, and we'll leave the chat room open. If you want to say hi to somebody you saw, you can do that. And um, hopefully we'll see you uh, back here next week.